Hello and welcome to Beyond the Stage with me, Paul Adams. I'm from the learning and engagement team at Singapore Repertory Theatre. And in this episode, we are going beyond the stage with Grace Lee Koo, applied theatre practitioner, someone who I admire uh, dearly and have worked with closely in the last three years. And uh, and Daniel, Daniel Barthorn or Will Smith, who is a rapper, writer, musician. Um, they are going to be talking about their careers separately, but also uh, some of the work that they connect with under Access Path Productions. So um, please sit back, relax and enjoy Beyond the Stage with Grace and Daniel. Okay, here we go then. So my name's Paul and we are going beyond the stage once again. And this time I've took on the challenge of taking two guests at once. So joining me is Grace and Daniel. Hello to you both. Hello. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, (laughs) Really (laughs) nice to have you on on the, the podcast. And of course, during our uh, phase one period so we are we can't be in the room together but we are joined by by zoom as it seems to be the way now um look we're going to kick straight in truth lie um okay daniel i know you said you were set up so let's go with you first you've got to give me three statements and i'm going to try and guess the lie be interesting to see if grace can spot the lie as well all right let's let's get it down and um I handed flyers and job salads for six months in order to fund my first laptop. Number two, I once pushed my chair at East Coast Park from one end to the other. And lastly, there's one time I had to pay $50 because I accidentally rolled over on an expensive shoe. Honestly, they could all be true. They're, they're, They're three great statements. I wonder whether you've given me a lie. So like starting out making money somehow to kind of get what you need i can believe that um i can believe that that you push your chair that's that doesn't can come to me as a lie but i wonder whether you're lying about the amount of money you had to pay for the damage you spot on the third one is a lie actually yeah Yay! high five paul Zoom. <laughs> yeah i you know, the first couple of podcasts I did, I kept getting them wrong. And now, I'm, now I'm, that's it. I'm on a roll with this now. So, yes, I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you figured out the game. You figured it out. I, yeah, I simply gave you a chance, Paul, to give you a good week. <laughs> oh, that, well, now, Daniel, let's see what Grace can come up with. So good, okay, okay. Good things, Grace. Right. Daniel, I'll have a go. Okay. So, the first one, I was a member of my school's uh, drama club when I was in high school. So I was a member of the drama club in high school. Okay. So the second one is um, bungee jumping is one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. And the third bit is I have an invisible disability that I only found out about a couple of years ago. I'm going to go with the middle Mm. one. I'm going to go with the middle one as a lie. You were talking about jumping. The bungee jumping. Yeah, that sounds... That um, I'm taking a leap of faith with the bungee jumping there. Yeah. I'm going to go with that one. Me too. Number two is a lie. Strap me Drum. by the ankle, baby. Drum roll, please. <laughs> You're both wrong. Oh. The, lie, the lie is I've never actually been in a drama club my entire life. Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you right. what then. I mean, that leads perfectly... You- 
doesn't it into talking about because I think we always think like me I'm like oh you must have been a drama club so let's start with you Grace what where did you know how did you start out in terms of getting into your your arts was it through you know obviously maybe not through traditional school channels was it in different ways well, it it that it did begin with um, a traditional school channel in the sense, but I was quite the late bloomer. I mean, I was in drama courses with you know your Julia Gabriel, your summer drama camps. Um, I did the Trinity College uh, speech and drama certification and all that. But um, I, I was always playing sports and just taking part in everything. Really, my parents you know wanted me to join whatever that I wanted to join, and it was only at university where actually my major was in political science in the Faculty of uh, Arts and Social Sciences. Yeah, and this is a great story because um, after the end of my first year where I had to confirm my major and I was doing uh, theatre uh, studies modules as well. I was performing a musical for the hall that I was staying at, the, the, the dormitories on, on campus. Yep. And my dad sat me down and then said that I think you should change your major. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I, you know, I've always been, I've been in drama, debate club, not drama, but debate club. You know, I've always been very interested in so, uh, issues of social, social justice, uh, you know. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go, I don't know, be a diplomat or something, work in the ministry <laughs> or something. And he was like, no, I don't think you'll be very happy with that. I think you should change your major to theatre studies. Because I see you on stage, I see you so alive and you're just so, and, and, and it brings him a lot of joy to see me perform. And he was like, you can still use um, the theatre as an art form to tackle the social issues that you care about. Whereas if you were to be part of this machine, you know, the system or this political system that might actually kill your spirit. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It was your, yeah. your father that, that pushed you through on that, right? Yeah, and I was being that Singaporean going like, are you sure? What if I starve? What if I, you know, I don't make it? And then he was like, well, you better hone your craft and make sure that you make it. <laughs> Brilliant. That's super interesting. We'll come back to it. I mean, Daniel, for you, where did, where did kind of, you know, I know you as a rapper and a writer. Where did that start for you? I'm not going to lie, Paul. MTV. <laughs> <laughs> back then, uh, back then I was, uh, you know, it was in the early 2000s, right? Uh, YouTube wasn't really a thing. Uh, Spotify didn't exist. So uh, I used to live with my cousins a lot. And they're in their teens, you know, 16, 17. And I was still under 10. So obviously I would want to watch Nickelodeon and things like that. But obviously they, they'd rather, you know, watch MTV. Yeah. Watch and listen MTV. So, you know, I had no choice but to, you know, witness the Two Chains, 50 Cent, Eminem, <laughs> and, and things like that. So I was kind of like in awe, like, wow, like, is that, like, 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 like what's that, you know, like, yeah, what's, what's with the flashy, you know, flashy things, like with the cars and, and the chains, like, what is that? Yeah. And so my cousin just said one word, hip hop. And then I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so I've kind of, so I'm, I'm, so at that point I was like, wow, like that's, that's a life almost because in, 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 you know, comparison to, to other genres, uh, hip hop tend to be a bit flashy. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of attracted to that. I was the, um, the black crow looking <laughs> for shiny things. And what did your family think about you then, like, at whatever, you know, age 10, starting to be inspired by that kind of... Was, it, was there a point where you were like, this is what I want to do? And did your family, what did they oh, think about that? Man, they thought it was a passing cloud, you know? <laughs> they said, oh, you want to rap? Oh, that is so cute. 16 years, 16 years later, I'm still here. Um, you know, at, at, first, at first they were a bit, you know, doubtful and skeptical about, am I clowning or am I fooling my years around, wasting my time and things like that. But, um, you know, as soon as I got proper gigs and, and you know, nice numbers going, and then they start to realize, like, hey, you could actually, you know, earn a living in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. so their main concern is really about, can I buy my makan or not for lunch? You know? Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Can you take care of yourself. I mean, and that's what I suppose <laughs> yeah. lots of parents want, right? Are we going to set ourselves up to, to look after ourselves and, and do what we want to do and have, you know, families and whatever it might be that we, we want in our lives. Um, I mean, well, I should just say, I mean, Daniel and Grace have a, a very close working relationship through Access Path Productions. So um, I, I, I just want to mention that because I suppose these two will start riffing off each other, I'm sure, as the conversation goes along. Um, but I'm fascinated, Grace. It feels like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, your father pushing you into theatre in Singapore feels like completely against the, the grain and like the opposite of what I mostly hear. Yes, he's very bohemian in his parenting methods and he gets a lot of criticism from the relatives. But um, so, but he, he does feel that, you know, it's really about following your heart, as cliche as that sounds. But he, he, he always feels like, you know, if you're not going to be... The quality of one's life is so important and the purpose of why we get up every day and drives ourselves and to, to do the things that we do so he believes in that firmly and so daniel i'm going to come back to you on that one yeah. i mean mtv was there and as you're starting to think about what's next then and, and and progress in that field did you have certain influences and people that shaped you and inspired you push you along i wouldn't say a person just yet in the early stages it was about me realizing how different I am physically. And as a result, uh, you know, my social life is very much altered. Because, you know, once it was all fine until you were primary five, primary six, mm-hmm. you know, kids, you know, but as soon as you reach 15, 13 and things like that, you tend to look into the mirror. You, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, hey, I think I might be different. You know, and and obviously people around you start behaving different towards you. So, so yeah. I wouldn't say a person. I would really say the environment I was in, because at that point of time, upon realizing, upon realizing how uh, how different I was, uh, yeah, I was I was a rock I was a rock bottom. Yeah, um, didn't know what to do. Uh, you know turbulence, emotions running wild. So I guess I started to like write, yeah. like write rhymes, things mm-hmm. like that. 
And occasionally I would share to my friends at the back of the class. And uh, he said, oh, want to just put it on a beat. Yeah. Like go, like, you know, go over YouTube and, and, and find a beat. So that's, that's, that's pretty much how it kind of started anyway. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, what's really, I mean, interesting for me listening, Daniel, is, you know, in the conversations I've had in, in the podcast series to date, you know, no one's had that answer yet, right? Which is why I love talking to people like this because, you know, some 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 people talk about, well, yeah, I had a person A, person B, person C, you know, to constantly moving me along. But actually, um, and, you know, jumping if I've misunderstood, but it was actually you that had to kind of, like you say, hit rock bottom and actually kind of find the inspiration inside yourself to then to start making the work. Well, you know, I, I until this very day, I, I wouldn't say inspiration. I would say it was me find. It is not worse. It is me still finding a process of healing, a process of coping. Um, you know the facts that things are different for me. So in a way, where I'm trying to establish, you know, a, a, a certain relationship in other mediums. So yeah. that me and anybody could could be on the same level of ground. So yeah. in that sense, I, I chose simply I did. I don't think I chose music. I think music chose me. <laughs> you know, that's actually later, yeah. That's really interesting yeah. because um, I was um, working on a project in Delhi this year in February. That feels like a million years ago, really. <laughs> and and you know, we were talking about um, really. Are we essential as artists? Are we non-essential in a time of crisis and, and pandemic? And I was having this really illuminating conversation with the founder of a slam poetry project in Delhi. And basically, I think Dan just, you know, your what you shared just brought me back to that conversation where it's truly using the art form as a tool or a vehicle for problem solving. Tell me a little bit about how you got into that work, because ultimately, a little bit your example really is is elements of applied theatre in some ways. Applied theatre really is an umbrella term. It's it's uh, generally you know it embraces a wide range of theatre practices that would I guess comes boils down to an intentionality with social justice or, you know, to provoke and shape social change. And again, coming back to this idea of how the art form is here to serve that um, process of provocation, to ask questions or, or to reflect and, and um, problem solve. So I would say that um, I've always been kind of lost in my practice in Singapore in terms of, you know, usually our entry point is as uh, it's true performance, it's true uh, uh, theatre making, right? And I, I've done that at university and then I went on to teach drama and uh, literature in a high school setting. So uh, that's when I realised, you know, sometimes people really, like you either have to focus on the teaching track or you have to focus on the artistic practice where, where you perform, where you make work. There are two paths. Yeah. And I always felt... Like I wanted to be on both paths. <laughs> I, I loved, you know, um, learning 
in, in the field and then bring it into the classroom. And also the things that my students would share with me and educate me on in the classroom, I would love to bring that authenticity into the field as well. So, you know, there was always that back and forth. And I think for me, the penny really dropped when I decided I was going to um, go back to school I, and I wanted to go to drama school. So I went to the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in the, in the UK because I looked around at all the different colleges and then there, there was applied theatre. And it had that perfect balance of what I would call praxis, which is um, there is that theoretical research aspect to it. So, and I have my theatre studies background. And on the other hand, there was that, you know, putting theory into practice, but also practice um, affecting the theory and reshaping theories as well. So that symbiotic relationship. And that got me really, really interested. And of course, I realised that, you know, I just love making theatre so much that I would be really happy sweeping the floor on <laughs> in the theatre, <laughs> you know. And then I go home, I'm like, no, my husband, can you do the housework instead? <laughs> but in the theatre, I'm like, I'm on it. Daniel, what, what about you? Did you, um, did you do any kind of formal music training? Is, is that something that you, you've seeked out or has it been things you've been learning on the fly? No, uh, no, 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 no. I actually went to the University of Street and Hot Knocks in the music department. <laughs> is that a true or a lie? <laughs> I think I've heard about it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, it is, it, uh, it's kind of self-taught, actually. So, um, I was too embarrassed to, to ask my dad about, hey, can I, can I join a music school or a music class and whatnot? And also, I was thinking like, uh, well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can even play any kind of instruments, right? Because of, uh, you know, because of my limitations and whatnot. So I left myself the uh, the chance to um, explore and wander around, and you know. YouTubing, uh, finding people around, uh, you know, having discussions with with up and coming, and 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 fortunately with people who are already pioneering our local scene, and you know, so they all say the same thing: "Hey, you don't need to strum the guitar, huh? <laughs> no need to bang the drum, bro. Get the laptop." Okay. So until the third person, until the third person, the last fella, a producer, hey bro, you wanna make songs, you wanna make red beats, get a laptop. I, I love that point as well because even within systems or outside of systems, you've got to carve your own way, right? And it sounds exactly like what you did. Uh yeah, because you know, uh I realized I had to try and put myself to the test because committing to something is not, um, is not to be taken lightly, right? If I told my dad, I want to rap, I want to do music for my life. That kind of statement should not be taken lightly, especially my dad or, or things like that. So, so what happened was instead of going through LaSalle or whatnot, I went out and seek out the knowledge myself because I feel like uh, I feel like 
the little bits and and, and pieces of knowledge that I that I gathered, I quickly you know memorize it to the heart. So there's no books, there's no lectures that I can fall back into. So those were the days where hey, I think I can squeeze you into the studio for forty five minutes, but after that you gotta go. <laughs> you can sit in the corner forty five minutes, learn the knobs, learn the whatever. After forty five minutes, you gotta go. So that was it. I only yeah. got forty five minutes to learn whatever I can. So that's that's how I kind of pick up the um, the knowledge. It's a great point, Daniel, because we've talked on we have talked a lot on this podcast actually about learning styles and how we're all different learners. And you know, we all know that there's buzzwords now about and which you know which I use around holistic learning and. But actually, what we're really talking about is giving everybody up the opportunity to find their own way of, you know, of, of learning and finding their path right. Um, and it, and it's it's no surprise to me that the way you wanted to learn was the way you wanted to learn, right? Some people do really well sitting with their textbooks and reciting information, and and then they can use it right. I mean, for you, Grace. I mean, maybe we could talk about, and I'll come back to this question with you, Daniel, as well. What is a project? that you've, that kind of really kind of sticks in your mind, like a highlight of a project where you're kind of applying your learning, your, your, your studies, your experiences. And, and you thought, you thought, I really, I felt that project really encompassed lots for me as a practitioner. I would say that that would probably be self-portrait that um, we premiered at the National Gallery of Singapore just um, early this year in January. It's part of the Light Tonight Festival and Daniel played a big part in it. He was part of the cast. And was that involved? Do you I'm remember? <laughs> it does feel like a long time ago again, pre-COVID, right? So um, I think... For me, it was a culmination of all my experiences navigating um, the area of uh, disability arts and applied theatre, really, um, because it's really a lot of, it's such a new area of work, and the best way to get better is to fail and then feel better. There's a lot of trial and error. You have to get it wrong so many times and, you know, try and, and look for those solutions. And so um, this, we had a really short um, lead up time to the festival. Well, I think I had like about five weeks when I was approached to do the project. And it was a response, a creative response and a performative kind of uh, tour format in, in the gallery, focusing on the body of work by Chua Subin, who's a cultural medallion winner, a photographer with a very illustrious commercial and also artistic career. And the focus was not about disability. You know, even though a lot of the times at Access Path, we work from the perspective of lived experiences with disability, we have a lot of marginalized uh, narratives. But in this case, it was really about showcasing this ability excellence and so we had a very diverse cast um, atypical bodies atypical um, art forms really we had playwrights we had uh, musicians like Dan coming on to perform so it was very diverse and um, the crowd control aspect was also something new and interesting (laughs) and the material of the piece because I wanted the piece to be so democratic and it's about 
the central idea of perception, whether you're approaching an art piece hanging on the wall in a gallery or you're looking at a performer which does not fit the mainstream perspective of what a theatre performer should be. Yeah. Right. And of course, uh, the playwright and, and th- this lens, really, I was interested in that. And so the, the piece itself, we invited, it was open to the public. I ran a, an inclusive writing workshop. So anyone with the desire to write could come. And, um, and we had a sign language interpreter um, as part of the process. We had audio describers and we had our artists coming in to mingle with everybody. And we just co-created we, uh, with the curator uh, giving her perspective of the work. So then people went around, dispersed into the gallery, into their nooks and crannies and started writing. And yeah. then we curated that material. So it was a piece that was written by the people for the people. Brilliant. I think, I mean, I, I know of the project. Sadly, I, I, I didn't see it. But I mean, I think just as you described it there in, in just a couple of minutes, I'm, you can just see how such a collaborative process, right? Every, all, you, you, you quickly rem, you know, remembered all the different facets that came together to create that project. And um, we don't see a lot of that work yet in Singapore. Or, you know, or at least it doesn't hit uh, I suppose our mainstream you know, eyes and ears as much as it should do where, you know, yes, it's in, it's taking over these big spaces that are beautiful, but it's actually handing over ownership to the community to do something together, work through together. So yeah, that sounds fascinating. Um, I'll I'll jump over to Daniel then. I mean, for you, what's been um, a highlight for you as a, as a writer, musician, a rapper? Uh, I think there's two highlights that I would like to bring forward uh, throughout my rap time or rap career, I would say, or something like that. The one, uh, the one performance that really, 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 really got uh, was really special to me was the uh, the G Shock. So I did a launch party for G Shock. They mm-hmm. uh, they was launching a couple of series of watch, but. Um, that wasn't that wasn't what makes it special. What makes it special is that the uh, the Japanese they don't really seem to care that I'm on a wheelchair at all. So that was what I've been looking for my entire life. <laughs> you know, like like a lot of our local productions or local projects or gigs, like they will always tr- somehow try to submerge into into my disability side and then. And then find out what's what's happening, but this nah, they're just different. They just come up to my place, <laughs> sit down, listen to my entire song. Yeah. I like. He take a bow. My <laughs> PA will talk to you. He boom, he left. Yeah, you know. So so I feel like at that point I'm almost like wow, like he didn't even ask what's what's going on. Like hey, like don't you see? Like no, you know, like nothing. So I felt like that point. I was being treated equally, pretty much yeah. like anybody else. Yeah. You know, he, he was looking for the music and only the music. Only when it comes to the staging and like, you know, I prepared a rem for you. And then that's it. He never asked why, how long, how many years, how do you shower and things like that. <laughs> Apparently people do ask me that. Oh, gosh. And, you know, so... <sighs> Yeah, so, I mean, I remember so, yeah. you saying to me, Daniel, once, um, it might have been at a panel, and I, I think you, you repeated yeah. it to me as well, but I remember you talking about that people, 
I think you were putting some songs out and there were no visuals and, and people were, were kind of criticizing your music and being very honest and open and just treating yeah. you like any musician. And then when they, then they saw a picture of you and your, your wheelchair and they were, you said they kind of changed modes. They become kind of more nicer <laughs> and, and tried to yeah, kind of put yeah, foot around you. SoundCloud days, my days. So I used to put out uh, trashy, I wouldn't say trashy music. It was the, it was my earlier days of exploring music. So things aren't really sounding like music in any way of hearing it. So yeah, so they kind of criticize. You know, they really hammer me down. Like, hey, what is this? What was happening? Why is it? Blah 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 blah. And then as soon as like I roll on the stage, I'm like, oh, will oh, right X oh, you know, and then. And then, and then, and then the sudden, um, the sudden change of wind, you know. Let's let's jump. Let's jump there. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a little bit. I think maybe Grace will come to you, and and maybe let's just talk about how you two connect as artists as well. So access path, I guess. Um, the at the heart of it, again, it's really this movement where we want to champion parity, not charity. It's about equity. It's about um, you know a remediable differences because everybody is different and we're all special and we all have needs. That's what I always say because we don't like to use the term special needs at Excess Park. And we just have to acknowledge that, you know, um, everyone's a complex individual and we take the time to listen to what people need so that they can do the best that they can do. And we bridge those gaps. We get creative. And sometimes it's really as simple as rehearsing in an accessible space or having a sign language interpreter or a braille machine, you know, so that a person in the space can have the tools for them to connect, to create. And, and Daniel, for, for what's, what's that been like in terms of your engagement with Access Path? Because I know uh, I engaged uh, with your work recently as, as, a, as a writer and performer, not necessarily a rapper, but uh, as an actor. Um, has that been a, something you've enjoyed exploring with Access Path? Uh, you know, whatever I've been doing in theatre space, you, you got to give credit to Access Path. They kind of open open up a, a, a pathway, actually, really, literally. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, with, with songs and, and with verses and with hooks, they're all structured, right? So you can't really mock and, and stretch and distort and, and kind of express it in a, in, a, in a certain way. It is obviously time and rhythm and, and, and 16 bars and then jump to the chorus, jump to this, jump to the outro, that's it. But, but, but with, with whatever that we are working on right now, I've been given the liberty to explore words just on its own as it's words as as a texture as a, as a meaning as a rhythm you know so it gives me that uh, so sometimes if I'm tired of writing or like ah screw screw the verse I'm gonna <laughs> write I'm gonna write a monologue because I feel like today is a monologue day yeah you know not 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 a lot of rappers know how to do that. 
because they're not ex they they're not exposed to to mono a lot of them you know I've been telling them bro you performing a corona you rave no 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 I I I was doing I'm doing a monologue the monologue what uh, <laughs> like, like you bro you you rap in the white house you you went to the us white house and the monologue is just me talking like so they kind of clueless <laughs> so so in a sense also now i can intertwine both elements you know maybe even i could explore a monologue rap kind of thing you know in yeah. in 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 the mixture of rap and hip hop i'm not sure but i'm now i'm given the privilege to delve and merge and mix let's we're in the kind of like the, the last part of our conversations guys and i'd love to just get your opinions on you know we'll have people listening to the podcast from from schools and people just picking it up um you know casually and what but what kind of tips and tricks and information could we give to young people looking to kind of move into the arts industry? Um, I mean, what's maybe something that's worked for you or what is a challenge that you maybe someone could avoid potentially if, if they knew about it? Shall I start with you, Grace? Um, I would say for me, what really benefited my process the most was the power of mentorship. Okay. Yeah. So it's there is a lot of information out there that that we can you know go on the internet now and find out what we're interested in and see a, a ton of videos on it. But you know that person to person connection that that discourse about what an individual is um, interested in and the direction and the drive that an individual person has. So I, I was very fortunate to be able to be mentored by not just really um, established and accomplished artists, uh, people like um, Philip Zarelli, Kate O'Reilly, and Natalie Lim, who supported, you know, and basically without her, Access Path would not be where it is today. Yeah. And there were all these people who were just so generous Um, for you, Daniel, what what kind of you know what would you offer as kind of your tips and tricks about stepping into the music space and 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 we've not talked too much about this, but of course specifically here in in Singapore as well. Yeah, uh, tip number one: do not subscribe to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm dead serious. Work on your craft. Don't stop watching series anyway but 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 on a serious level there are six d's that i that i hold very closely to me it is uh dare to dream devote to design deliver to the deaf mm. so i hold on to these six d's yeah because a dream it is not a reality yet dream yeah. is what you merely think about but to dare to dream then it means to dare to pursue you you gotta there you gotta you know be daring enough you know devote to design simply means now you dare to dream you know what is it like find the design find the concept find the product find yeah. whatever it is that you dream devote to their design and the last one is you know deliver to the death to the last minute to the last second if it means 
you're not going to do it again tomorrow and you got just one day, then do it by all means. Really, I love that, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing those so honestly. And, um, and I suppose what always comes across from you, Daniel, in, in only the few times I've, I've met you, but, and, and certainly the many times I've met Grace, is your absolute passion and drive for the work you do. I mean, it just, if you haven't got that right, we're, we're not in the right place. So um, it always comes pouring from both of you. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to finish with a, with a bit of a fun question and you can take it, um, take it where you like, but I always finish with the time traveling question. So you're going to go back to visit little Grace and little Dan. <laughs> and you have an opportunity, if you wish to, some people do refuse this, but you have an opportunity just to, whisper something to them some some a wisdom an idea uh, uh, something you'd love to say what would it be um, okay i would go back to probably when i was 13 years old and it will be just a little bit before the time that my mother passed and i would tell her just how grateful i am to her and and hopefully at that, remind myself at that point to always have gratitude for everything that people have shared with you, have provided for you and shaped you in the way that you know your own value as well. And, and remind myself that as you know, I navigate those really, really difficult, angsty teenage years to yeah. always go back to what my values are as a person and to stick to them. Brilliant. Thank you, Grace, for sharing that. Wow, man. Now, now what about whatever I'm about to say is going to sound stupid, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. No way. Anyway, this is what I would say to myself uh, if I ever get a chance to visit 15-year-old Will Smith. <laughs> Bro, stop spending money on McDonald's after school <laughs> because of that. We spent six months out on the street handing flyers for the damn laptop. <laughs> kept all the money. We should have kept all the money. Oh, Daniel, that is just, yeah. you know, in, in, in a totally different way, is as poignant. <laughs> it's absolutely yes. as poignant. Save up for your craft. <laughs> that's, that's... Because, because at that point of time, you know, my friends are like, hey, bro, we're going to go to McDonald's after class. <laughs> I look at the $3 and I'm like, laptop, McDonald's. Priorities, eh? McDonald's last. So the last McDonald's lasted the whole year. <laughs> Think know, of, so. you know, you could have had a, a laptop and a microphone, Daniel, if you'd have just had a few less yeah. Big Macs. And there you go. Beyond the Stage completed for one more episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, it was a pleasure to sit with Daniel and Grace together through zoom um and i really enjoyed grace's closing comments there around um mentorship and also some of the honest um time travel there going back to the to her 13 year old self and and thank you to daniel for sharing those uh, 6d top tips i think uh, really actually useful and really heartfelt and i don't know about you but uh, i really enjoyed daniel's humor throughout that podcast and uh, it was a really nice uh, nice podcast to host with those two so hopefully we can get them back in the room and share some more uh, but for now this podcast was recorded via zoom 
and it was produced by the SRT Learning and Engagement team and it was presented by me, Paul Adams, the Learning and Engagement Manager. Until next time, bye-bye.